Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. America faces a choice. This is Battleground America. Here's Tara Servatius. Hey there. Welcome to this week's edition of the Insane Things Podcast, where we count down the biggest news stories of the week, but only those that are so insane, we've never seen this before. Insane thing number six. As domestic Disney Plus subscriptions plummet by 300,000, Disney engaged in what could only be described as an act of corporate suicide. The UK Daily Mail correctly called it Disney's Dylan Mulvaney moment, hiring a grown man who identifies his gender fluid to sell girls, not women, girls, Minnie Mouse-themed clothing. It would have been unthinkable a decade ago. But here's what we need to notice about this. Our site is missing this. It is important we catch this now. The TikTok influencer that Disney hired is named Sean Altman, and he's cut from the same sick cloth as Dylan Mulvaney. Our site keeps calling Mulvaney transgender, but we're not getting it. Yeah, there's a ton of transgender influencers on TikTok. They're a dime a dozen. No one pays attention to them anymore. But Dylan Mulvaney's niche, why Dylan Mulvaney took off, is that Mulvaney transitioned to a woman first, but then to a child. Mulvaney identifies as a 12 to 13-year-old girl. And if you watch the videos of the various surgeries, Mulvaney is first becoming a woman, but making it clear for instance, one of the surgeries he's he had, he's shaving off his shoulder bones to narrow his shoulders so he'll look like he's 12 or 13. Who was Bud Light targeting? Minors. They were targeting the minor market, which they dominate. Kids, kids who, by the way, aren't legally supposed to be drinking beer. Catch this now. Who is Sean Altman? Not just some transgender or gender neutral TikTok influencer. No. He's in the same cutting-edge vein as Dylan Mulvaney. He identifies as, dresses up as what? What is he transitioning to? To be a child, a girl. With the left, being transgender was cutting-edge back in like 2019, 2018. Cutting-edge now with the left is identifying as a child and appealing to children when you are a grown man by identifying as one. Now do you see how eerie it is that Disney chose an influencer in exactly the same vein? 
Where are they going with this? Why would Disney seek out a guy who wants to be a child, identifies as a child, and dresses as one, not a transgender? Because I'm telling you where they're going with this. Watch this. I'm going to be right. Men who identify as children are going to begin to demand to take part in children's activities and be surrounded by them. That's, of course, the interim step to them demanding being allowed to have relationships with them that currently are illegal. Let me put the final part together for you. This is why the legislature of Connecticut and the legislature of Minnesota have each had one house pass a pedophile rights provision, adding pedophiles as a protected class in much the same way women, religion, race is a protected class who you can't discriminate against in hiring. The way they did this, and if you read the liberal news fact checks, they'll say it's not true, but they're lying to you. The way they did this, they did not actually add pedophilia in these bills that passed the houses. What they did was strike it. See, before these laws said uh, homosexuality, race, religion, gender, non-discrimination, right? In these states, but they all have an exception for orientation around pedophilia. In other words, if your orientation is same-sex attraction, then you get the protection. But if your orientation is pedophilia, you don't. This strikes that, which ultimately gives anyone with a different or alien orientation protected class rights. So if a pedophile wants to go work at a nursery school, you can't turn them down without getting sued. This is how Democrats, they need, Democrats need to knock this wall down in other in order to get to where pedophiles can have relationships with children and men who identify as children can hang out with the objects of their desire i'm telling you this is where they're going it is eerie that disney picked this guy and i wanted to note it because it's important for disney to do this when it just lost three hundred thousand domestic disney plus survivors that's the number they're down they are shrinking and had to increase its subscription fees by 27 percent to make up the difference It's practically corporate suicide. But what it shows is that the left and their minions are more than happy to destroy America's iconic corporations in order to get the pedophile rights they crave and the rest of the woke agenda, too. Insane thing number five. For almost three years, America was held hostage to the Trump-Russia hoax lie. At times, upwards of 60% on average of CNN's newscast was Russia, 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 hoax. Most of the other networks ran at least 30%. It's an astonishing number, you know, of their nightly news coverage, given the fact that it was all a lie, fake, and a hoax. Most of that coverage, aside from assuring their viewers that Trump was, in fact, um, under the control of Vladimir Putin and part of a Putin coup, um, and, and that their democracy could be stolen from them by Putin at any time, aside from all of that, most of the coverage was devoted to finding the Russian money, the bribery money that Trump had taken. We were assured on an endless loop by the liberal media that Trump had, in fact, taken it, and we would find it. By God, if the IRS would just release his tax info, we could find the Russian money. Well, someone finally answered their call and leaked it. We never found the Russian bribery money, but that was okay, because Mueller was going to get it. And in the process of trying to get the Russian money, Trump was forced by subpoenas to turn over more than a million documents. Mueller was forced to admit in his report they hadn't found a single dime. No Russian money. Well, now we know why. It was in the Biden family bank accounts all along. I'll get to that in a minute. But I want to tell you who else's bank account it was in. 
because this is the bombshell story of the week and almost nobody noticed it. Dirty, disgraced, thug FBI agent, because he is a thug, Charles McGonigal, is set to plead guilty on August 15th to what? Taking money. Russian money. Russian bribery money. Who's McGonigal? Oh, you're going to love this. He was one of three agents who helped to launch Crossfire Hurricane inside the FBI. In other words, the Russia hoax. And what was the main thrust of the Russia hoax? Again, trying to find the Russian bribery money by going through every document Trump ever produced. And wait a minute. The whole time McGonagall was taking bribes from a Russian oligarch? Yup. Wait, 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 Tara. You're telling me the guy who launched the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, one of three agents inside the agency who launched the Russia, Russia hoax predicated the investigation into Trump was in fact taking Russian bribes when Trump wasn't? Uh-huh. Remember back during the Russia hoax, the mainstream media was driving their sheeple so insane? They, I mean, they were living in fear on the edge every day. Uh, they didn't know if they'd survive a coup by Russia. Can you imagine if the mainstream media was to actually explain this to their sheeple, to their left-wing viewers and listeners, that the only Russian money that's been found to date, the bribery money was inside this FBI agent's uh, accounts and inside Hunter Biden's. Can you imagine if they knew that? I'll never forget the public spectacle of Donald Trump Jr. forced to testify for 12 hours at a cost of $24,000 in legal fees before Congress because he met for less than 15 minutes at Trump Tower with a Russian citizen. Nobody gave a damn that that Russian citizen was sent by Hillary's campaign. She didn't have to testify, but Trump Jr. did. And the punchline? Republicans controlled Congress then. It was Republicans who hauled Trump Jr. in, trying desperately to find that Russian connection. Which leads us to insane thing number four. We found the rest of the Russian money, turns out. As I said last week, the Biden's had it the whole time, but we're getting new details on this. Folks, as I lay this out, you can even can you even imagine had this been Trump Jr. Bombshell new bank records show that the richest woman in Russia, Russian billionaire Yelena Batarina, who's not only the chief oligarch of that country and a confederate of Putin, but also associated with the Russian mafia. Yeah, um, she transferred three point five million dollars uh, to Devin Archer, who told Congress last week he laundered it. He turned around and transferred it to the Biden family, keeping a million for himself. Well, here's the crazy part. After that transfer, we now know for a fact that Joe Biden went to dinner with Yelena Baterina at Milano Restaurant in D.C. And then we know after that what she got for it. When all the other Russian oligarchs were sanctioned as punishment for the Ukraine war, she was the only one left off the list. How convenient. So we got the bank transfers. We've got the proof of money laundering and tax evasion because Hunter didn't pay taxes on that. And we've even got Joe Biden going to lunch with this woman and then later leaving, leaving her off the sanctions list so she could still do business. And somehow we can't figure out if Joe Biden's guilty folks. The Democrats were literally on television this week saying that Joe was talking to her and to others about the weather. The whole thing was so embarrassing that Washington Post famed fact checker and chief liar, ironically, Glenn, Glenn Kessler, 
whose job it is to correct their stories, secretly went back, well, not so secretly because he got hardcore busted by the internet, and changed their reporting on the whole affair without noting it, it was a correction. As if, you know, they've been honest about the Biden bribery payments all along. What a joke. Insane thing number three. You may remember the name Elvis Chant. He was the head censor appointed by the FBI to censor all the people saying correct things online about Hunter Biden's crimes and his ownership of the laptop, which was not Russian disinformation. He headed up the rest of the federal government's censorship efforts on Twitter and Facebook, YouTube, and likely on Google. Well, Chan got subpoenaed, got called in to testify in a case called Missouri v. Biden. Yep, that's where attorneys general from two Republican states are suing the Biden administration to stop the censorship. Well, the judge put Elvis Chan under oath, and Elvis Chan lied. That's not just unethical. That's kind of a felony. He did it twice. Each instance carries up to five years in prison. His first lie was that he had no idea that the FBI had possession of the Hunter Biden laptop and had authenticated it as Hunter's when he went to Facebook and to Twitter and told them it was Russian disinformation. Turns out he knew. How do we find that out? That's pretty insane, too. Facebook caught between the thugs and the FBI uh, and a threat by Jim Jordan in the Republican Congress to vote him in contempt of Congress if he didn't turn over all communications with the lying FBI and the rest of the federal government. Zuckerberg dragged his feet, dragged his feet, but finally was forced to turn it over. That's how we learned that Elvis Chan lied. See, in addition to internal FBI communications, indicating that Elvis Chan knew damn well the FBI had the laptop and that it was really Hunter's, there was another instance of felony perjury. See, in the Missouri v. Biden case, Chan said under oath that he'd only talked to Facebook one time. Yeah, it's just kind of casual and in passing. Uh, no, that's a lie. Because we've got the Facebook internal documents for that, too. And you know what they show? He talked to them multiple times. In fact, he had face-to-face meetings, too. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Trying to get the censorship of the Hunter Biden laptop story taken care of. You know, to cover up for the more than 400 crimes documented by Hunter himself, ironically, on that laptop. That's apparently Elvis's job. Folks, I could do a whole podcast on the implications of this. Think about this for a minute. Chan testified in open court under oath, right? Right there on video. You can watch it if you want um, because it goes on for more than an hour. Well, who would have seen that in real time? His bosses would have seen that. They would have known what he was going to say. And he lied. He lied his ass off. And he still has a job, right? Weirdly. In other words, they knew he lied. They sent him in to lie. He committed two felonies on camera in front of not just this judge, who, by the way, so far, has he's the one who's issued the 
injunction barring the FBI from censoring anymore. This judge is not friendly to them. And I can't wait for the next session of court. I hope he flips out on the FBI and Elvis Chant. You know what he needs to do? He needs to go ahead and jail Elvis Chant. That's what he needs to do. But uh, for contempt of court. But here's the thing. The problem is that the DOJ is so utterly captured um, by the deep state that, you know, who would be the one to prosecute Elvis Chan? Well, the only authority who can is the DOJ. What does this mean? Well, it means the FBI has a sort of superpower. They can go lie any time at a felony perjury level in court, before Congress. Nobody's ever going to stop them. And so what's so uncanny is literally Elvis Chan had to know. His bosses knew he was lying. <laughs> and he didn't care. He did it right in front of him. This is how the FBI operates. And it's why Christopher Wray, Trump appointee and then Biden appointee, also got busted for lying this week. He was lying under oath to Congress. That's also a felony that covers up, carries up to five years. But at this point, Christopher Wray is so deep into perjury. He has spent the rest of his life in prison for lying, just, just lies he's told to Congress. He's a thug too. But he got caught in a pretty big lie. He told Congress under oath that it was just one office of the FBI um, that was, you know, persecuting Catholics and putting together a plan to go after them as domestic terrorists. Well, it turns out it was more like three FBI branches, and they didn't just put together a plan. No, they infiltrated the Catholic Church, trying to build the, you know, the rapport, the sources to pursue criminally the most religious of Catholics. It's truly a horror show. Anyway, that's felony level level perjury too, but don't hold your breath. Again, it'd be the DOJ. Who'd have to prosecute Christopher Wray? And they're not gonna. Insane thing number two. Remember what I told you when Joe Biden partnered up with Republican trader and speaker Kevin McCarthy to pass that deal to get rid of the debt limit so they can print money endlessly through 2025, borrow however much they feel? What did I tell you the cost of that would be? The collapse of the regional and local banks. It'll be massive. And they don't care to the extent that they even know. I don't think these people are that bright. I think you're just evil. And sure enough, we watched the beginning of that process this week. It's going to go slowly at first before it reaches a crisis stage. If it were to go as far as it technically could, you could literally see the collapse of the U.S. banking system. It'll take the economy down with it. We're not there yet, but you're seeing the fallout of the printing that Congress has done since that horrific debt deal passed in May. Do you realize that they, since the beginning of June, have printed another trillion dollars. That's right. The national debt is up a trillion. I call it printing and debt alternately because what they do is issue uh, treasuries into the treasury market knowing damn well there aren't enough people on earth with the money to buy them. There's so many. Then they print money, buy it back, flood the money supply, and devalue our dollars. So when that happens, it screws up what they can get for existing treasuries and these regional banks, which are loaded up with treasuries, uh, begin the process of collapse. So, look, the price of Kev and Biden betraying the American people and printing like lunatics is going to be the collapse of the regional banking system. And we're seeing the beginning of that. It's going so quickly with Moody's downgrading the credit rating of 10 regional banks and issuing a warning. Again, the clip here, the piece is terrifying. Think about it this way. When Biden inherited office, uh, our federal budget was still a little over $4 trillion a year, right? Well, we're printing an additional roughly 
or you know, printing slash borrowing in the way I just described, roughly a trillion dollars a quarter at this clip, right? So that's like two federal budgets, the actual one and then another one we're just going to help ourselves to. Well, what is that level of spending? Yeah, it looks like it's going to add up to roughly $8 trillion a year. Well, wait a minute. How big is the entire U.S. economy? Yeah, $21, $22 trillion. Wait a minute. We think we can spend $8 trillion a year? Yeah. Uh, the only other people who have thought that would be like Venezuela, Zimbabwe, and, oh, the Weimar Republic. Yeah, look up how that ended. Folks, we're in a death spiral. And the mainstream business media is just pretending we're not. It's got to stop. But there doesn't seem to be any alarm. Anyway, uh, this Moody's thing and then the Fitch downgrade um, of our debt credit from AAA to AA last week, these are literally flashing siren warning signs. And Congress, even Republican leadership seems utterly unmoved. They just don't seem to care. And look, I'll tell you why this is. Look, remember Joe Biden only asked for like a trillion dollar increase in the debt ceiling? And then Kevin McCarthy, uh, the speaker, the leader of the Republicans, came back and said, no, no, let's get rid of the ceiling altogether. Why would McCarthy do that? He's showing donors. Donors want this printed money. The people who donate or contractors, they otherwise benefit from this money that the government's handing out like candy. And so what Kevin McCarthy's calculating is that if we, if we shut this thing down, we're not going to have a single donation from the donor class. They'll give it all to Democrats. And Democrats are going to get away with printing it no matter what. So we might as well go for broke and show them that we are really the party of printing. And then they'll give us the money. Well, specifically, they'll give Kev the money uh, for his leadership pack, which he uses to eliminate Republicans in the primaries and uh, elect people loyal to him. Kind of like a Praetorian guard, if you will. So this is all about Kev's power and keeping that leadership pack of his full. So he has iron fist control. Uh, but for the country and for the regional banks, it'll be about collapse unless the political class gets scared and stops with the additional printing and borrowing. I don't know. We'll see. Insane thing number two. Republican hacks from leadership to local state government like to complain about Soros prosecutors and the chaos that follows their non-prosecution of the most horrific criminals in our society. But they don't do much about it except for fundraise with one exception. Ron DeSantis this week fired his second Soros prosecutor. He fired the first one last year. The left lost it, screamed, yelled, challenged him in court. They lost. So he did it again. And you know what she did in her press conference complaining about? Keep in mind, folks, this is a woman who has seen 64 fentanyl and other drug trafficking charges, not dealing, trafficking. But folks, these are the cartel folks who are coming in here. And you know how many of them she got a mandatory minimum sentence for? In other words, even tried in? Three. Three. But the worst part was the pedophiles, including the child pornographers. She had actually forbidden her prosecutors to go for the hardcore charges. They can only go for the low-level and misdemeanor ones, which means these guys were getting churned right back out on the street, guys who should have gone to prison for a long time. DeSantis said to heck with this and fired her rear end. Well, here's the insane part. Number one, he's the only Republican governor who's done it. The only one with the guts to stand up to the left like that. But number two is the truly insane part. Uh, you can you can see this on my Twitter feed. You know what she did? Her final act in office at her whining and complaining press conference? She made the Antifa power fist. The sign of solidarity that Antifa makes. 
This is who these people, folks, these, Antifa is a criminal anarchist brigade. She's saying, I am one of you. I'm loyal to you. By the way, it's the same Marxist power fist that Marxists and communists have been making for more than a century. This is terrifying. These people need to be ripped out by the roots from red states so the liberal anarchy doesn't infect our states along with the lawlessness. We do not need criminal magnets in the middle of red states. The only way forward is the DeSantis way. And he is the only one who has demonstrated the cojones to do it. Hats off to him this week. Finally, insane thing number one. U.S. District Court Judge Tanya Chutkin, the judge in Trump's D.C. case, issued a so-called protective order that bars Trump from talking about the evidence the government has against him in his case. In other words, he basically can't talk about the case. Well, uh, Trump got mad about that, understandably, said they're violating his First Amendment rights. They are. And they're also taking away one of his major talking points for the campaign. Uh, but I guess that's par for the course. And he says he's going to ignore it. He's going to violate it. Let's see if he does it. Because here's the thing, folks. That's exactly what the left wants him to do. Why? Because the judge would have the immediate authority to jail him. This is what I've been talking about for a while. I've been predicting that by the time all these indictments start and we get just a few court hearings in, every one of these judges, three out of four liberal, will gag Trump and begin to control his movements on the campaign trail with absolute authority. By the time he's done, he won't even be able to campaign at all. This was the first step in this. And if they do this, he's not going to be able to campaign because he's going to have to do it from prison. Well, what happens when you go in, into, into jail or federal prison in this case? There's restrictions on your communications that apply to all the inmates. What does that mean? Well, to those of you who say, well, hey, just go on Trump social and say some stuff. Not necessarily. Like, folks, I don't know that he's even going to have a campaign at this point. He, he can either comply with their speech res restrictions and barely have a campaign or say to hell with you and get let out in handcuffs. I don't know how this is going to work, but it's where we are. Somewhere we've never been. Sick country. Thanks for listening. Battleground America with Tara Servatius. Please subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Share with friends, family, and other free thinkers. Thanks for listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Oh, 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 Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.